Hey, and welcome to the Vintage Church at Buffalo podcast. Here you'll find a teaching for your life from God's Word by Pastor Wes Aram. So, let's get to it. All right, grab your Bible, James chapter 1. James chapter 1. We are in a uh, series called Pray Now, kind of heading down uh, the home stretch of what we've been looking at in Scripture. Uh, our theme verse is 1 Thessalonians 5.17, which says pray continually or pray without ceasing. God wants prayer as the heart of a believer to be an ongoing habit, an ongoing process. Prayer is free. It's instantly accessible. It can move mountains. And man, we want to be in it. We want to have it as a part of our lives. And so God tells us to do that. So we have been looking at Jesus's instruction as recorded in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6 about prayer because his disciples ask him teach us how to pray and so Jesus does that and so we've been walking through it line by line verse by verse and tonight we're in verse 13 of chapter 6 of Matthew I'll just read it to you it says this let us lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil Jesus told us that's how I want you to pray now at first pass you might look at that and go wow wait a minute Are you saying that God leads us into evil, that he tempts us? No, that is not what this is saying at all. The Bible makes that clear. Remember, we've talked in the past about 1 John uh, 1, verse 5. It says, God is light in him. There's no darkness at all. That means God will never act in a wrong way toward you. He will never entice you to do that which will destroy you, which is sin. He will never do that. And there in the book of James, it can't be any clearer. Take a look at verse 13, chapter 1. It says this, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. It can't be any clearer. God does not tempt us towards evil. Verse 14, But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So it's clear that God does not tempt us towards evil. Now, God does bring tests our way. He does bring trials our way, to be sure. But his goal is very, very, very different than the enemy's goal for our life. Take a look again, James 1, look at verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Think about that. Consider it pure joy. Really? Pure joy? Not just regular joy, but pure joy. Something deep down that is just settled in our heart that we are like, yes, this is joyful. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kind. What is going on here? Look at the next three words. Because you know. It's because of what we know that we can have the right perspective on trials. Look, it says, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That is what God wants for you and for me as his children. If you're here and you're a believer, this is what God wants for you. He wants you to not lack anything. Well, who's the one person ever that didn't lack anything? It was Jesus. He wants us to be like Christ. Imagine that. That you could walk into any situation, that I could walk into any situation, and we could be like Jesus in that situation. How powerful would that be? That is what God 
wants for us. Let me give you a couple other verses here. First Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 6 through 7 says this, In all this you greatly rejoice, so now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. God says, I want to bring your faith to completion. I want to grow your faith. See, there's, there's a difference. See, Satan tempts us in order to wreck our faith. God tests us in order to grow our faith. Two very different goals, two very different desired outcomes. All right? That's why this prayer that Jesus tells us to pray here in Matthew 6, verse 13, is a prayer of both humility and desire. We are humble because we realize how weak we are. and We don't want to go anywhere near temptation and we have a desire to please God. Our desire says, God, I don't want that. I don't want temptation. I don't want sin. God, I want you. We'll talk a little bit more about that in, in just a minute. Now, this verse here in Matthew 6, 13 tells us two fantastic things about God. One, it reveals to us that we have a God who leads. Not a surprise. The Bible gives multiple evidence of that, that God is a God who leads. We know that. Let me give you a couple verses. Psalm 5, 8 says this, Lead me, Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. There's a, a desire. Lord, I, wanna, I want you to lead me in the right path. Psalm 27, 11. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path. These are prayers, and there's multiple, multiple prayers throughout Scripture saying, God, I want you to lead me in the right way. So this is a request here in Matthew 6 to not to not be led in the wrong way. God, I want you to lead me away from the bad. I want you to lead me towards that which is good, that which is right, that which is pleasing to you. We have a God who leads. The second thing that Matthew 6, 13 tells us about God is this, is that we have a God who is ruling over the tempter in our lives. We have a God who rules over, who has control over the one who tempts us. Let me give you a verse. Colossians 1.16 says this, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. God created everything, and God rules what he creates. The creator rules his creation. God is distinct from that which he has created, and he rules over that which he creates. Create. And listen to verse 17, Colossians 1. It says this, He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. The reason our bodies aren't exploding right now and the molecules aren't exploding is because God is holding us all together. Hebrews 1.3 says this, The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful word. He sustains all things. Think about this for a moment. This must absolutely infuriate Satan because he hates God. He is his arch enemy, and yet he depends on God for his very existence. Satan depends on God for his very existence. God rules over the enemy. He rules over the one who tempts you. He rules over him eternally. He rules over him day by day continually. He rules over him eternally. Uh, Revelations 20.10 says this, And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That is Satan's determined 
end and there's not a single thing he can do about it. There's nothing that he can do to change that. That is what is coming. He's not ruling in hell. Satan is not ruling in hell. He's being tormented there day and night forever and forever. God rules over him. Satan and everybody who is aligned with him in the end loses. Everyone who is aligned with God in the end wins. I've heard it, I've heard it put this way. If you... How many of you have ever run a race? How many of you have ever been involved in running a race? Even, even uh, okay, most of us. Okay, good, we understand that. That's good. My, my wife actually used to, to run half marathons. I was there to cheer her on. That's, uh, that's as close as I got to running a race. Uh, but uh, we understand that when we run races, you know, we understand, man, it's, it's effort. You know, it's, there's a point where it just gets, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I've lost my mind. Why are we? Imagine that you enter a race and you knew it was going to be tough, and there was going to be twists and turns and all kinds of unexpected things, but you knew, 100% guaranteed, knew that at the end, you were going to win that race, and the prize was going to be stuff beyond your possible wildest imaginations. Would you enter the race? Of course you would. Even though it was tough, you'd still, why? Because you knew, guaranteed, that you were going to win, and the winnings would be beyond your wildest imagination. That's the Christian life. Because we go through stuff that's hard, that's difficult, that has twists and turns. We have an enemy that's, that's coming after us you know, all the time, constantly. We'll get into that in just a second. But in the end, we absolutely win. That is a perspective that can, can encourage us every single day. That is a perspective, if we let it land in our hearts, can encourage us as we walk through days, some that are easy, some that are difficult, but as we walk through our days, we can know that in the end, we will win beyond our wildest imaginations, the thing that God has prepared for us. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. That is pretty, pretty powerful encouragement if we'll allow that truth to get, to get a hold of us. God rules Satan eternally. He also rules him continually. I'll give you a couple verses. Revelation 1.18. Jesus said, I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Keys represent authority. Death and Hades, everything that can come against us to try to destroy us, try to take us down, to try to intimidate us spiritually. Jesus said, I hold authority over those things. All those things in your life, Jesus said, I hold authority. Matthew 28, 18, some of the last words that Jesus spoke on this planet when he was here with his disciples after his resurrection. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. Not just some, all authority. So he has total and complete authority. Authority over the tempter. Over the one who tempts you. I think it was John Calvin who said, the devil is God's devil. You know, Satan doesn't want you to know that. He wants you to think that he can, he can act independent of God, that he can do whatever he wants, that he can come after you as much as he wants, and that you are helpless in that. And God is just back there going, well, I hope they make it. I hope they do okay. That's what Satan wants you to believe. It's not true. It's not true. God rules over Satan. That is why 1 Corinthians 10, 13, a familiar verse for us, if you've been a Christian for a while, you know that verse. That is why this verse has teeth. It has real staying power. It says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. First of all, 
Let me just remind all of us this thing. Satan wants you to believe that what you're going through, you're the only one going through it. It's not true. He wants to isolate you. He wants to isolate me. He wants us to think that we're the only ones ever experiencing it. And aren't we bad people? It's not true. No temptation is overtaking you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. It's his character. And because of that, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure. In other words, God looks at Satan. When Satan tries to tempt you, he tries to tempt me. He says, this far, no farther. And then he looks at you. He goes, here's the way out. Take it. He will do that every single time. That's what he promises here. And because God rules over Satan, he can make good on that promise. I mean, think, remember, remember Job? Remember when Satan went after Job? What did he have to do first? He had to get permission from God first. Every single time he had to get permission from God. Same in the New Testament. In Luke uh, 22, 31, uh, Jesus says to Peter, Simon, Simon, si Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. He's asked to sit you. Why? Because he has to get permission. Satan has to get permission. God holds the keys. Christ holds the keys. He holds authority over everything that can come against you. Now listen, we understand that in this world there's going to be stuff that happens to us that we don't understand. We may never understand in this world, but here's one thing we can absolutely know, that never once has God abdicated his throne. Never once has he handed the reins over to Satan, moved out of the driver's seat, says, you take the wheel, you're in charge. Never once. Never once. God always is in control. That's why when we pray, lead us not into temptation. We can know that God has the power to answer that prayer. Lord, I don't want to be led. and I want, to, I want you to lead me away from the wrong things. Now let's be honest for just a moment. Since we're in church, it's a good idea to be honest. Let's be honest. All right? Sometimes we don't fight temptation. Sometimes we run right towards it. We run right towards it. Why do we do that? I'll tell you why we do it. Because we have believed the lies of the enemy. We believe that what is on the other side of that temptation will give us what we really want. It'll give us the comfort or the approval or the satisfaction or the fulfillment or the pleasure or the purpose that we think we deserve that God is not giving to us. Either because he won't or because he doesn't want to. And we have bought into the lie that What's on the other side of that temptation is something that we need, something that I want, that'll give me what I want. And Satan is more than happy to supply you with all kinds of options. More than happy. Just look at our culture. Just look at our culture. And I don't want to get too far off of our lane where we're going here, but it does fit in this moment. I mean, look at, look at this month. It's called Pride Month. You know, and what, and what that what that means, you know, and what our culture is trying uh, to, to celebrate, right? It's, you know, you, you've seen it on the internet. I have too. People even ask me, say, man, if, if I'm gay, am I, am I going to hell? Listen, being gay doesn't send you to, to hell any more than being straight sends you to heaven, okay? Here's how it works. If you know Jesus, you're going to heaven. If you don't know Jesus, you're going to hell. That's what the Bible said. That's not what I said. That's what the Bible said. That's a dividing line right there. And God wants us to know. Christ. That's why he sent his son to tell us of the love of the Father and the sacrifice that he made for us. God wants us to know his son. And so he did that for us. That is how we know. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, some spectacular things happen. We, begin, we get born again. 
new life on the inside. We move from darkness to light. We move from eternal death, separation from God, to eternal union with God forever in a place so spectacular that Jesus, even from the cross, called it paradise. We get to go to heaven. Some amazing things happen when we become a believer. But we live in a culture that tells us, that tells you, hey, whatever you feel, you can be. Your feelings determine your reality. You know what? Feelings are real and they can be really wrong. That's just the truth. Feelings are real and they can really lie to us. And if you plant your feet in the sinking, shifting sand of your feelings, then man, you're going to be spun around for your entire existence because there's no anchor there. A culture tells us, hey, whatever you want to be, you get to define your life. You get to define who you are. Guess what? You don't. I don't get to define who I am. You know why? Because I didn't give me life. I didn't create me. God created me. I have a creator. And as a creator, he has the authority to tell me this is what is real. This is what is true. This is who you are. He has, and he alone, has that authority to do that for me. And here's the great news. The spectacular news is that he will declare things for me way better than I would declare for myself and for you. So when you become a Christian, God says, guess what? I'm declaring this about you, that I love you passionately, that I've adopted you into my family, that now you can never be separated from my love. I forgive all of your sins. You were justified. You are brought in to a righteous relationship with me. You're going to spend forever, eternity in heaven. God says, I declare that about you. I have a purpose for you. That guess what? When you were in your mother's womb, according to Psalm 139, God says, I was in there. I was creating you. And guess what? I gave you the gender that I wanted you to have in your mother's womb. And by the way, there's only two, male and female. That's what I declare, God says, so that when you are born, I have already given you gifts and abilities and talents that are perfectly suited for the plan that I have for your life that will fulfill your purpose as you follow me because I love you. You're not going to get that deal anywhere else. And this culture cannot offer it to you. And Satan cannot offer it to you. Only God can offer it to you. That's why in this place, in this church, whoever comes in is welcome. Whoever walks through those doors, we are excited that anyone is here. No matter what, where you are in life, no matter what's happening to you. Why? Because God says, I want you to know me. And the invitation to this place is the same invitation that God gives us. It's not to come and sit in our brokenness. It's come to come and to be transformed, to be healed, to be brought into a relationship with God who loves you passionately, who alone can give you purpose. And you and I, we know all this. We know all this. I'll prove it to you. I'll prove it to you right now. How many of you, you know, yeah, you know what, you don't have to vote. You just know in your heart. How many of you, uh, after you sin, you know you did something wrong? It's really bad news. You know, how many of you, 24 hours later, said, that was such a good decision? That was so life giving. That was wonderful. That helped me to become the person I want to be. It really blessed the people around me. That was fantastic. I want to do that some more, right? You know that that's not true. You know that that thing that you did that you thought and I thought would give us what we want and what we need, it doesn't deliver because it doesn't have it to give. Sin doesn't have the joy and the love and the purpose that we, that we want. The enemy lies to us. Listen, that, will never, that stuff will never deliver long-term for you what you long for because it doesn't have it to give. 
Only God can give us that. And that's the great news. When we come to Christ, He redeems us. So now we have the privilege, we have the right to be able to say no to sin and we can choose the way of Jesus. And we can discover in Him the treasure that He truly is. And the closer we get to Him, the more we'll experience His passion and His love for us on our good days and on our awful days. And I'm telling you, you will never get that anywhere else. Because when you become a believer and you give your life to Christ, the anchor point for your life becomes the Word of God. And God says, this is the way, walk in it. And this is how I'm going to direct you. And this is how I'm going to encourage you. And this is how I'm going to teach you. And this is what is right for you. And this is the path. Your feelings do not tell you what is right. God says, I will give you the truth. I will give you the truth. That is what corresponds to reality. We don't get to make our own reality up. People that do that say, well, this is who I am. You don't get to do that, right? You can go up tonight, go up to the top of your house and just go, you know what? I don't believe in gravity. I don't believe it. I declare that I don't believe in gravity. And then just walk off and let me know. And don't send me a hospital bill, okay? Because I will not do it, right? We know that that's not true. We go home and, and say, hey, you know what I believe? My reality is that Jello is going to power my car. I believe that Jello is the new fuel of the 21st century. And you pour Jello into your car. And you know what? You live at the top of a hill. And so you get in and you get going and your car's running downhill and you're like, hey, I'm telling you, Jello works. Guess what? Your car is eventually going to stop and it's not going to go. It looked good for a while. But it wasn't reality. God says, I will tell you what is real because I love you. And because I'm the creator, I'm going to tell you what is true so that you can anchor to it. So when stuff outside of you and stuff inside of you is telling you something different, God says, you can anchor to what I say because I will always tell you the truth. And that is the hope we have as believers. And that is why when we pray, Lord, Lead me not in temptation. I don't want to go to the bad stuff. Lead me away and to the good stuff, to following you. We can pray that with confidence. Second half of that prayer is deliver me from evil. Deliver us from evil. Now, your translation might say the evil one. The two are pretty much synonymous because evil is, is connected and sourced from the evil one. We need deliverance. Why? Because our fight is not against someone who's human. Our fight is not against someone who's human. We know the scripture, Ephesians 6. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We fight not against what we can see, but against what we can't see. And Satan is more powerful than we are, human beings. And so we need a deliverer. We need someone who will step in and give us deliverance. And that is what God does. And so Jesus said, pray for it. Pray for it. Pray for the one who is stronger, who can step in and who can deliver you. Pray for that. Because my Father wants to answer that for you, Jesus said. See, this prayer really is, is, is twofold. It's, uh, God, we need, your, we need your help. We need your help to stay away from temptation and sin. And we need your deliverance when Satan attacks us with temptation and sin. That's why, that's why Peter said in, in 1 Peter 5, 8, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Behind that temptation that looks good, that Satan is convincing you that you need to run after, 
is crouching the enemy of your soul who is just waiting to rip you to shreds and stuff you down his throat. He is a devourer. Sin is a predator. It never just stays where you put it. And so we need a deliverer. We need a deliverer, and we have one in our God. Erwin Lutzer, who is a, uh, an amazing pastor and author, he says it this way. He says, Lord, when I have the desire to sin, might I not have the opportunity? And when I have the opportunity, might I not have the desire? So, for you, for me, for us. How do we apply this? Well, here's some questions. One, where do we need to get really serious about temptation and start praying against it? Stop flirting with it. Stop just coming up to see how close we can get to it. Think, oh, I can handle it. You know, I can navigate this. You know, I can control it. You know, I can negotiate with it. It says, be sober-minded. Be vigilant. Where do we need to get serious about temptation and start praying against it? Two, where do we need God's deliverance in our lives? Because we believe the enemy that, hey, guess what? What you're into now, you're always going to be into. You're just always going to be into. Listen, sin doesn't deliver what it promises. You know what it does deliver? It delivers addiction. Just a little more, just a little more, just a little more. But God can break that cycle. He is our deliverer. Where do we need to start praying for that and trusting God for that and making moves in that direction to be obedient to that? Where do we need to look for the ways out, the ways of escape that God has provided for us? Listen, God will never set you up to fail in temptation. He will never put you in a situation where your only choice is to sin. He won't do that. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 tells us he's faithful. He will always provide a way out. So where do we need to start looking for ways out in our lives? And finally, where do we need to start praying? Say, God, I don't want that. I want you. Where do we need to really start praying that way? Remember what we talked about. First uh, John chapter 5, verse 14, 15 says, If we ask anything according to his will, God's will, we know that he hears we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have the requests that we asked of him. In other words, when we pray according to God's will, we know that God's going to be active in answering that prayer. God's will is expressed in his word. And in this prayer, Jesus said, I want you to pray this. So we know it's God's will. So where do we need to get serious about praying to desire God more? Let me close with this. I've read this scripture. I'd read it in my life because I grew up in a Christian home, so I read it many different times throughout my growing up. But man, it landed on me one day in college. It just landed on me. John chapter 17 is, is um, Jesus' longest recorded prayer uh, in, in scripture. And he, he gave it. Uh, on the night that he was going to be betrayed and arrested. Right. And uh, the first part is for his, uh, he's praying specifically for his disciples there in the room. But then he shifts and he says, I pray not only for these, but all who will hear about me and believe on me through their word. So that's all of us. And then he says in verse 26, Jesus says, Father, I pray that the love that you have for me will be in them. Think about that for a moment. Personalize it for you as I personalize it for me. Jesus was praying, Father, I ask that the love that you have for me will be in Wes. What? Wait a minute. Jesus, do you know who I am? 
Do you know how many times I mess up? Do you know how often my life is just a tire fire? Do you know how many times that I, and I could go on and on, and I did go on and on at night. And of course, Jesus knows all of that. He knew at that time the sins I was going to commit for the next 20, 30 years of my life. He knows the sins I'm going to commit until the day I die. And he still says, I want you to love me like my father loves me. I want you to love me like that, Wes. I want that kind of a relationship between us. That blew me away. I'm like, God, you want that? Jesus, you want that for me? It's true, and he wants that for you. He wants that for you. And listen, like I said, anybody who walks through these doors, we're, we're, as believers, we're going to welcome, no matter what your, your brokenness is, no matter what your limp is, because here's what we know, because we know it's true in our life. Every single person is one decision away from moving from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. One decision. And if you're a believer, one day, that was you. And now Jesus prays for you that the love that the Father has for Christ will be in your heart. So when I pray, Lord, I want to love you like that. God says, I'll answer that. I will answer that. Imagine what would happen if we prayed like that. Let's pray together. Your heads bowed and your eyes closed just for a moment. Thank you so much for your attention, you guys. Always so super gracious. So what is it that God talked to you about? What do you need to do? What is it that God talked to you about? And what do you need to do? In humility, we come before Him. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. Every single one of us. If you're here and you found the Savior, First of all, just take a moment to thank Him. Just thank Him. And then respond to Him, whatever He talked to you about tonight. If you're here and you've never invited Christ into your life, God loves you. He's passionate for you. He wants you to know Him. He wants you to know the truth. If you're here and you are not sure if you die, you're going to make heaven. Or you're like, Wes, I'm pretty sure I won't. And can I tell you, God wants that to change for you right now. Say, Wes, how's that happen? Just tell him. Just tell him. You can pray this prayer. Let me give you a prayer. It's not magic. Mean the words is your own. Just humbly come before him. Just quietly. Just say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I can't save myself. I believe you died for me. That you have forgiveness and eternal life for me. And I want that. So right now, Jesus, I turn from my sin. I repent. I don't want it. I turn to you. Forgive me. Come into my life and save me. I'm all yours. I will follow you. That's about eyes closed. No one looking around. But if you just prayed that and you meant it, and you meant it, Jesus just came into your life on the authority of God's word. I want to remember you in a closing prayer with no one looking around but me. If you just prayed it, you meant it. Would you just raise your hand and say, Wes, I prayed it, I meant it. Pray for me, man. I'm in. Jesus, talk to me. Pray for me. I'm in. That's you. I want to pray for you tonight. Jesus, thank you for your truth. Thank you for your word. God, we're overwhelmed 
by your love for us. Thank you, God, that you accept us, that you, you draw us to yourself. And in Christ, you forgive us. You, Lord, you do a miracle. Father, I pray for each one of us that we would get serious about temptation and areas and soft spots in our lives, that we would, man, we'd have a heart to hate that. And Lord, we'd have a heart to love you. Jesus, answer that prayer for each one of us, that you pray to your Father, the love that the Father has for you would be in us, would be in me. God, that's what we want. Pray that that would happen. Thank you, Lord. We pray this in your name, Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church at Buffalo podcast. To connect with us and to get more encouraging biblical content, go to vcb.church.